Paleo Runner podcast is devoted to finding better ways to live, run, train, and eat. I'm your host, Aaron Olson. You can find more information by going to paleorunner.org. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a review. Search for Paleo Runner in iTunes and click ratings and reviews. You can also follow me on facebook.com slash runpaleo or on Twitter at runpaleo. I wanted to take a minute to let you know about a product I've been using called 3Fuel. 3Fuel is a sports drink that gives you fat, protein, and carbohydrates to use as a fuel source. Unlike sugary sports drinks, 3Fuel gets absorbed slowly into your bloodstream to give you sustained energy throughout your workout. If you'd like to give it a try, you can get 10% off by using the coupon code 3FOLSON. Go to paleorunner.org and click 3Fuel at the top of the page. If you're listening through the podcast app on iPhone, click the link displayed on the app right now. My guest today is Debbie Potts. Debbie is a personal trainer that focuses on eating real foods to help the body perform optimally. She's an Ironman triathlete and co-host of the Fit Fat Fast podcast. Debbie, thanks so much for being part of the show. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. So, Debbie, tell me a little bit about your background. How did you get interested in the whole aspect of eating more real foods? I mean, aren't the foods that we're, everyone's already eating real foods? <laughs> well, not really if they come out of a package or a box with a big, huge label, right? Right. I, well, I've been in the fitness industry for about 20 years and started doing Ironman distance triathlons 2001 and started doing marathons before that in long distance cycling events in, ooh, I'm feeling old. Um, about 1995, I started racing and doing some long stuff. Mm-hmm. And I just started to really feel the difference of kind of curious of what the what people told us out there. So eating real food was told to us to eat a bar or gel every hour and keep adding those calories. Same mm-hmm. thing with people that aren't exercising, that they should eat small meals every few hours to keep the metabolism going. So all these different theories that were told for mainstream nutrition, I was always thinking twice about it, going, how does that make sense? If I want to lose weight, how am I supposed to lose weight if I keep eating? And I just didn't really get it. And I just started challenging the theories out there and thinking about it. And I got into heart rate training years ago with Sally Edwards, right? When they came out, I, did, I taught heart zone training with her. She kind of was the beginning of heart zones and setting up different zone training back in, I don't know, maybe that was 90, late 90s. And started learning about being metabolically efficient there with her and then working with Maffetone, then Mark Allen, all about the lower heart rate training. So that's more the training side of it, being using fat for fuel. So I thought, well, why am I going to eat all this sugar and have a bar when I'm supposed to be using fat for fuel? It just didn't really make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what do you, you, you mentioned that term metabolic efficiency. What do you think are the major benefits are of using fat for fuel? I mean, what's wrong with just taking a bunch of goose? Is there any reason that you wanted to get away from from that? Huh. Well, I think it depends what type of events you're training for, right? Like if I'm training for an endurance event as a marathon or maybe 100 mile plus cycling event or Ironman distance race, we're taught to teach people and coach people that we want to be in those heart rates where we're burning mostly fat for fuel. So we're training by heart rate, trying to build up that aerobic engine and everything along with that to be more metabolically efficient where we're using fat for fuel. But what happens if you are burning fat and you keep tossing down all this process engineered food as a, a bar or you throwing down gel and other stuff in a package every hour. So it didn't really work for me because I felt like, okay, I'm eating this, but I'm not even hungry. And then I would go into racing and try to eat all this food. And when I was doing triathlons, I was doing Ironmans, I'd be kind of throwing up while I did the bike ride and I got just used to it that, well, I don't need that. So my stomach doesn't 
isn't able to digest that food. So I would end up just doing water and mm-hmm. drinking mostly water and liquid calories when I was doing Ironman racing. And I realized myself that I don't, I can't do all these calories. I can't do three, 500 calories an hour. And I did better with less. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really interesting that we're, you know, we're told to during training to listen to our bodies, you know, not push too much. But when it comes to nutrition, we, we have to override all of our body's natural functions. And even if we're not hungry, we need to take, you know, three or four goos an hour to keep our blood sugar so high. So it, it seems counterintuitive, you know, in one area, we are supposed to listen to our bodies, but then when it comes to nutrition, you just have to take as much sugar as possible. Yeah. So you want to be burnt using fat for fuel, but what happens if you throw sugar into that? Maybe we need that slow release sugar that will, you know, we need a little bit every hour, but you don't need to be only eating sugar and throwing yourself out of that fat burning loop that you're going into that blood sugar roller coaster. And then you have a lot of times people end up having to take more sugar in because they have that low and then they get the high and then they end up having stomach problems and they're always wondering okay what's wrong i'm racing and i'm throwing up or having ibs problems every race what's going on mm-hmm. and i hear that all the time and you know i was just at ironman hawaii last well two weeks ago and you hear the same things and you look at what people are eating when they're racing and i look at what people are eating when they're just hanging out training and before the race they're eating junk food and they that's another subject but people think they can eat what they <laughs> want because they're doing long distance events and training so they forget about their feeding their body nutrition and that proper fuel that's coming in so you get garbage in you wonder what happens after that right right yeah that that was one of the main reasons why i switched to a, a little bit higher fat diet diet is uh, the stomach issues. It's it, When you're running long distances, you don't want to have any issues going on with your stomach. You want to be feeling you know, like you're at your best and at, like that there's there's nothing going on with your stomach. But a lot of times, if you're taking those fake foods, it can cause some upset. So, yeah, that's what I interviewed, by the way, last the other week when I was in Ironman, I interviewed bonk breakers. And I got to get John to post that for our Fit Fat Fast. Mm-hmm. I interviewed um, Barnana and those uh, the other ones were non-food related, but at the race expo. And it was a great story that uh, Bonk Breakers and Barnana, they were both wanting their racing and they wanted real food and there was nothing out there. So they went to their kitchen and started coming up with a Bonk Breaker bar and took them a while to get it to market. And then the Barnana product, that's what he ate growing up in South America. And just to have that when he moved to San Diego and started doing ITU races, he wanted to have real food. So so luckily, there's some other people that are on the same page if we can get, you know, more products out in the market that are easy to grab or, you know, there's a lot of food we can make ourselves. But, you know, I don't know about you. I'm not really good at cooking. I'm busy working and I want to go fit my workouts in. I don't want to sit in the kitchen. But so you want something that's convenient, easy to grab that's good for you food. So you mentioned that bonk breaker. Is that something that, that you would be able to use if you're trying to burn fat for fuel? Yeah, it's gluten free. They don't have soy. It's made with mostly real food and they have it. It's on the Ironman course now. So they're the energy bar of the course. Unfortunately, the drink is the perform drink mix that bothers a lot of people. But that bar is a good option, I think. So you don't have to carry when you're racing, you know, you don't want to have to carry all your, your gear. But I like bonk breakers. I actually tell people to get the raw, the raw revolution bar that I'll have sometimes on a long training day. Okay. But what's interesting when you're training, I don't know how long you go for your workouts, but if you're training two, three hours and you get used to being metabolically efficient and being fat adapted, do you eat anything? I'm usually pretty good. Um, I, I eat small amounts. Like I, I use a product called three fuel that has, uh, 
fat. It has like coconut milk, um, grass-fed whey protein, and a little bit of starch. And that I'll, I'll like on a 20 miler, I might take 200 to 400 calories of that. Mm-hmm. How about you? I, I heard about that on your podcast. That sounds great. I'd like to try that. I've been using UCAN the past year. We've done some 50k trail runs and uh, marathon and track my Ironmans. We've been using that. Uh, super slow starch generation you can okay. find that out but yeah so, I know there's a couple others out in the market I think there's I think it'll grow as more people we're starting to talk about it more unfortunately mm-hmm. it's just on podcasting <laughs> it's the underground <laughs> right. news but I think you know more athletes if we can I think with your why you have a podcast too the same as myself is that you we want to help teach people out of getting out of the mainstream nutrition and mainstream information you get there in the triathlon magazines and running magazines that the nutrition and training and everything is a lot different Mm-hmm. It could better. Yeah. So, you know, it seems that there's a certain amount of carbohydrates that are re- required for some of these long distance events. Have you kind of figured out like a, a, a the right amount that's good for you in your marathons and triathlons? And, you know, how, how do you gauge how much to take in? Do you, do you go by feel or what do you do? I go by feel. You know, I have, we kind of do the, what did they call safe starches for dinner, usually the night before and have some sweet, I like sweet potatoes and have some little bit more carbs in my meal before the day before a big race or a big training event. And then during a, a long event, I will have, if I'm just weekday, like if it's just two hours, I'm good with just water. Maybe I like to use noon, some type of electrolyte tablet in there. And I'll use that if it's hotter. And for fuel, I've been using UCAN. And if I need a bar, I'll just, if I feel like I'm getting hungry I and I want some food and I'm like, we're going for this 20 mile hike trail run this weekend. And I'll probably take some, uh, the raw revolution bars. And I don't really count the grams. I just kind of, I do pieces. I'll break the bar up into four pieces and have it throughout the time. So it's just a slow little, slow release, I guess, fuel. Mm -hmm. So do you think it's important to include healthy fats in your daily diet if you're trying to become metabolically efficient? Oh, for sure. I do believe that you can't just change the way you're fueling when you work out. I try to tell that to clients that I'm coaching that we have to work on your day-to-day eating plan just for life. That it's, it's not a diet, but it's a a new style of eating. It's a lifestyle that we're going to change people. And I do this with a 21 day challenge I have. Then I've been coaching people online just 30 days and just help them get rid of the processed foods and add more healthy fats, eat more vegetables and have moderate protein. Mm -hmm. So I think the ratio is a little different for everyone. Some people can tolerate a little more carbs. Not everyone has to be the super low carb, below 50 grams a day. Some people a little bit more depending on their activity level as well. I think it makes a difference. And I usually can tell people if they're recording their food down for me that how long are you full because if I eat a breakfast with good amount of fat maybe like I make eggs and avocado and have some pasture butter on it or some olive oil and then I'm full for hours Mm -hmm, after mm -hmm. that right if you if you have a little more fat in there you you end up eating less and I I don't have those cravings and I feel more that satiated feeling Mm -hmm. so you mentioned there that you you do a 21 day challenge what does that involve evolved over the last four years I own a fitness studio in Bellevue, Washington, and it started with 30-day challenge it's always been kind of evolved into 30 days to 21 days because three weeks is just easier for a lot of people to commit to than 30 days is somehow they kind of all slough off at the end. So I think 21 days to teach people just to get rid of the common food allergens and eat real food. So I have them try to take out grains, gluten, uh, soy, 
peanuts, um, corn, and then ideally if you take out alcohol and caffeine, but just kind of really go to eat, teaching people how to eat more vegetables as a meals, adding more of the healthy fats because we're so fat phobic. Mm-hmm. And as you probably know yourself that everyone is into healthy grains, not fat. And that's kind of my background. I grew up eating, I think, all carbohydrates because I did not eat protein. I didn't like a lot of, I'm not a big animal meat person. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't eating any fat because I grew up being told fat is bad. So I always did no fat at all. And so it's hard for me, not hard for me, but it's hard for people that I'm helping to realize they're the kind of same as I've been in the past to how to have fat in your diet, healthy fats and teach people what are healthy fats that not all fats are bad. Mm-hmm. They're not evil. So you so, said you're, you're not a big meat person. What what do you use in place of meat or do you feel <laughs> that you don't need it maybe? Well, I it's been, I'm trying to eat more animal meat, just some good grass fed. I It's more just, I've been since I was 12 years old and just, I, I blame it on Kentucky fried chicken, a bad childhood experience <laughs> that I don't eat. <laughs> me because I just only thing I can remember what triggered me from grossing out at meat is eating a KFC chicken drumstick Mm -hmm. and looking at these whites you know sinewy veins and I've (laughs) so not to gross everybody out but that's kind of what changed me and so now I I'm trying to eat more chicken and you know eat fish and and trying to I wish I did eat more because I'm always deficient in iron and I, I need more. It's just a mentally tough change. Yeah. And yeah. I need, I think everyone needs more vegetables in our diet. You know, it's hard to get, eat enough to get all the nutrition we need. So I try to get like a big, huge lunch. I usually run over to Whole Foods in Bellevue and get a big old salad and put some chicken and some feta cheese on it or something. And that will be good for me for the rest of the day and something light for dinner. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, if, you, if you're looking to try to get some iron from an animal source, you might want to look into desiccated liver. It, you can get, <laughs> like, in the cabinet. <laughs> you have that? Okay. Yeah, that's a great. It's just full of vitamins, vitamin A, iron, and some other trace minerals. So yeah. that's been working for you? I Well, you know, thanks for reminding me. I've been on these supplements in the past few months. I need to put that out of the cupboard. Anything that's in the cupboard, I tend to forget. So it has to be on the counter to remind me to take it. Mm-hmm. But that was what I tried doing to eat the, get the liver, the benefits from that, because uh, I've just read so much good things about it. I'm not going to eat sweetbreads and liver. So that was a good job plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tablet so, form. How long does it take for your clients to make this transition to becoming, you know, fat burners, more metabolically efficient? A lot of people do really well in the 21 days and they try to do it. They kind of, everyone loses weight that needs to lose weight or maybe they're just doing it for health reasons because I think it's great for people to do even if you don't need to lose 10 or more pounds. So they take that 21 days and some people are good and they'll keep going on their own and other people will do the program again or I do it one-on-one with clients and I have people that don't even live here that I'll meet with and I find it a little bit better one-on-one than in the past in my, when I do a group challenge, I'll put people in teams and they have to email each other every day what they're eating and be accountable and share recipes and that really works well if we have a big group like in the fall or in January, February, we'll do one. The rest of the year, I find just a smaller groups works well. And then sometimes people that need a little bit more accountability and a little more guidance, they continue with me for another month or so. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then they're, once they get the hang of it, they're really well. Some people that you know slip back into old habits, they can just get back into it and eat healthy. And then I tell people it's that 80, 20% of the time, which kind of can get stretched. I think like once, not more than once a week, but maybe a couple of times a month or once a month, you have a night that you have a, a birthday party or something, maybe you're going to 
going to do something off the list that you're, you know, that's not, doesn't make you feel good. But what I have people do when they cheat, so to speak, I have them document journal what they feel. Cause a lot of times people feel headachy. They feel bloated the next day. I said, do you know, notice how you feel and write that down what you're sharing with me? Because that's a little more motivator for at least myself, not to have something that's going to make me have stomach pain the next day and feel awful. Mm-hmm. So you really, okay, that food that I thought was my favorite food and a reward and I'm, you know, sacrificing, cheating on it, doesn't really taste as good anymore. And it doesn't give me that sense of satiety and it doesn't make me feel good. So usually people can break the habit that way. Right. So does this, will this metabolic efficiency help a person run or cycle or swim faster? Or is it just help you to feel better on the course? What, what do you see as the benefits? You know, when I was in Hawaii last other week, I really wanted to go interview a lot of the athletes. And I know Tani Prezak was trying to do that. And it's a, it'd be good study to see how people feel. I find working with my athletes that people do feel better. I think you recover faster after workout. Maybe you, you don't feel the stomach problems if you're racing because you're not having so much sugar in your system. And, you know, a lot of that sugar, and you read the labels of a lot of those sport products, they're not real food. It's that engineered food. Mm-hmm. And I think once people get off of that, they realize how much healthier they feel. And so I guess that would make their performance improve because they're able to have more energy and they're able to stay in that fat burning mode if they're not plugging in, putting in all this junk into their body. Okay. So can you give me an example of some foods that you would eat on a daily basis when you're trying this kind of uh, metabolic efficiency type? of diet? So for me, I I mean, I work kind of weird hours because I train clients. So I'm at my out the door at five in the morning and I'm training clients. So sometimes I prefer not to eat them, but I like I'll make food and take it with me. So I made eggs and uh, usually I do avocado, but I'm just sad to say I just got a food test results of allergy tests back last night. I'm not allowed avocados for oh. six. So that's usually my go-to food is avocado. So now I've got to figure out a new plan. I would do, because um, I go to leave to work so early, so it's hard, but I usually have a big salad at lunch and get some cabbage and arugula and kale and mix that up different lettuces and some vegetables Mm -hmm. toppings and then pour olive oil on top and then i make a big lunch i'm really not that hungry for dinner time it's just usually something light i mean last night i just had a bowl of spinach with some olive oil on top and sea salt because it was late and then other nights i'll have soup and just we've been making soup now it's fall Mm -hmm. okay my other good go-to food if i'm gonna go exercise is my chia seed pudding i always like to make because i can't go eat a big salad and then go for a run so if i (laughs) Usually at my works in the afternoons and that doesn't really work for me (laughs) to have a salad and then go work out. So if I can go home or bring it with me to work, I'll have, I soak chia seeds in water and then I put some almond butter in there and throw some slivered nut and put that in the fridge and kind of make it a pudding. Sometimes cinnamon inside. It's all good. Okay. Um, What do you have coming up next that uh, you're training for? You know, I had to take some time off this year, so I'm kind of making a comeback. I had adrenal fatigue. I found out in May, stage three adrenal exhaustion. So I had to cancel out doing Hanu, Half Ironman and Ironman Canada. And I was planning to do Ironman Hawaii. So I'm just kind of rebuilding now and coming back stronger, hope, next year. So I am just looking ahead to next year. I am still going to attempt my this 50K North Face Trail Run. We've done the past four years in San Francisco. That's first weekend in December. And I don't know if you trail run at all, but that's like my favorite uh, trail run. It's just beautiful Mill Valley and the Dipsy Stairs that people have heard about that. But it's just amazing scenery. So I'm not quite in shape probably to run the whole way as I normally would, but it's a good hike. 
So how have you been able to deal with that adrenal fatigue? What have you done to combat that? You know, I have, um, it started kind of treatment in that for in May and I just had to cut out workouts 30 to 40 minutes. It was my long workouts. So I had to switch kind of triathlon training and marathon training to that shorter distance. And then I just did strength training and just tried yoga only for a month and just had to bring it all down and work on chilling out a little bit more, not being go, go, go. So that was a little change for my lifestyle habit I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do Hanu Half Ironman uh, next June and then some other halves next year. I'm coaching people for Lava Man Triathlon in March in Hawaii. And then I probably won't do Ironman distance. I'm in Canada, so I'm thinking 2015. And then okay. I try to do Ironman Hawaii then. Oh, that cool, year. cool. Well, Debbie, it's been really interesting uh, having you on the phone today, learning more about metabolic efficiency and, and everything that you do. Um, where do you recommend people go to for- find out more about you? I have a website, fitnessforwardstudio.com. And on Facebook, it's Fitness Forward or Debbie Smith Potts. It's under. So we have a trying to post information on there. We also have our Fit Fat Fast podcast that I co-host and trying to put some more stuff out there on training for off-season training. Uh, another thing I wanted to throw in about metabolic efficiency, the big part of the exercise part I didn't get to mention was the doing the treadmill test. So we didn't talk about that. So maybe yeah, another yeah. Test. maybe you could yeah talk about that for a few minutes. Well, the big part of metabolic efficiency for new exercise, we talked about mostly about nutrition, but the other part is your exercise training. So not only training by heart rate and building up that aerobic engine, and especially off season, I think it's really important for people to find a place near them that you can go get a treadmill test that we use New Leaf. It's a metabolic efficiency equipment that you get a face mask on and measures your VO2, estimated VO2. But it's mostly we're looking at your anaerobic threshold, your metabolic crossover point, where the point is where your fat usage drops down and your carbohydrate usage goes up. So that's where we're looking at. And then we're looking, and then I can tell people what heart rate ranges should you train around where you're burning the most fat for fuel and where your tempo workouts would be based on where your RQ value is your ratio of your what we're looking at to tell what fuel you're using, but the RQ value as 1.0, it's only carbohydrates for fuel. If you're 0.90, that's when the fat drops down and the carbohydrates go up. And so 0.90 around there is usually people's tempo numbers. I can figure that out. And then I can figure out their speed workout, which would be anaerobic threshold or above. So then it's a little bit more individualized. Okay. And so then you find out heart rates that correspond with those levels and you train at those? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And then we can train them. So they're, teaching them how to utilize more fat. Some people are really inefficient at using fat for fuel. So might set them up in a different program based on those results. Hmm. You know, I've tried using a heart rate monitor in the past with my Garmin and it's, I, I often get erratic readings. It's, it's a lot of times higher at the beginning than it is at the end. How, have you ever had problems with heart rate monitors? Well, Do you have a heart rate monitor you'd recommend? I like the Garmin, the polar heart rate monitors were always doing that to me. They take a little longer to set up, get connected, but what brand do you use? I, I have a Garmin. Oh, you do? Well, mm-hmm. Yeah, it I used could have just Garmin been that one-off, you know, something wrong with that heart rate monitor. But You can reset your heart rate, you okay. your connection to the heart rate strap, and it will one minute, uh, and it will reconnect. So maybe it's not reading your heart rate monitor. Okay, I'll try that. Um, I just wanted to say thanks so much for taking the time today to talk with me and talk with the listeners about the benefits of being becoming more fat adapted. So thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. I hope everyone can learn a few things and just we talk 
talked a little about nutrition and exercise, so there's lots to it. I think it it just takes time, and I think the fall for most people's off season, unless you're running, kind of that's if you can find some time that you can experiment with it, it really pays off. You'll be faster, your stomach will feel better, you'll lose weight, and lean up a lot more. Guy, I always found I, I never could lose weight before, so I think it's teaching your body to use fat for fuel, and you'll lean up, and it'll definitely will pay off. You've been listening to another episode of Paleo Runner Podcast. For more information, go to paleorunner.org. Thanks for listening.